Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Praise God, praise God. I'm so thankful for God's love, aren't you? Even when we don't know the answer to the questions, God's always faithful. (laughs) Even when we don't know why an accident happened, we know God's love is there. Amen. And he never gives up on us. He never never fails us. So I want to talk to you this morning. I feel like God has, is going to speak to you today. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them. And if you'd stand for the reading of the word. Open them to a, probably a familiar scripture um, in 1 Corinthians. There are only two subjects in the Bible that God felt were so important that he gave a whole chapter to in the Bible. Only two subjects. And one of them is faith. And that's in Hebrews 11. And it just goes, by faith, this one did that, and by faith, that one did this, and by faith, and by faith. And then the other chapter in the Bible is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it's about love. And so my burden with this sermon today is is to help bless some families and fix some relationships. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's... It's almost like poetry. In fact, one of my uh, favorite Christian bands uh, for King and Country <laughs> used a version of this scripture in, in one of their songs called The Proof of Your Love. And so I'm going to read the, the first seven scriptures of this chapter, and then I want you to help read chapter or verse 8 with me. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. Though I speak with the tongues of men... And of angels, but have not love. I have become sounding brass or, or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers, love are long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, it is not puffed up, it does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, it is not provoked, it thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then in verse 8, if you'd read with me, love never fails. Amen? So I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes on that subject this morning. Love never fails. So if you'd put your Bibles down and pray with me, Lord, I thank you for your never-ending love, God. I pray that you would help us to be more like you, to love like you, 
to love like you have taught us in your word, Lord Jesus. I pray because love never fails. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Sometimes, uh, I don't know if you find it amusing, but I find it amusing to, to look at uh, some famous quotes or read them. That's pretty much why they created Twitter, right? <laughs> there are quotes that are, that are catchy, and I used to tweet them <laughs> as long as they were under those 140 characters. I think they doubled that now, but I don't even use Twitter. But I would post things that clever, clever things that preachers would, would, uh, would say and, and, and that they would say in their sermons. And I thought, um, you know, that things that they would say that had a lot of meaning and that would, I would put those quotes on my, on my Twitter account. And it's interesting to me how quotes become a part of our culture. Some of the famous quotes and statements that are made that make their way into everyday life. Like, it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. That's by Alfred Tennyson. Knowledge is power. That was by Francis Bacon. And then another one, God helps those that help themselves. That one was actually by Ben Franklin. Or one that I want to focus on today. Love like you've never been hurt. It's a quote from a man that maybe you've never heard about. He was the first African-American pitcher in the American League starting in 1982, and he played 20 years of baseball. And his name is Leroy Satchel Page. He grew up in the time of the United States Jim Crow segregation laws. And he was one of 12 kids in a poor Alabama family. Page started work at age eight, carrying luggage at the local train station where he gained the nickname Satchel. And soon, petty crime followed and five years in, in reform school, during that time he developed an incredible ability to throw a baseball with extreme speed and accuracy. But because of the color of his skin, Page was only able to play in the Negro Leagues. And these were formed by black players, unable to play in the major leagues. Unable to make enough money playing, Page had to work a second and third jobs, and he toured, in the country, um, toured the country and showcase teams. And eventually, Page, his showmanship and skills eventually drew white fans to his game. And in 1949, at the age of 41, Page stepped up to the major leagues with the Cleveland Indians. 41. He was, and he still is, the oldest rookie to be drafted into the major leagues. <laughs> and so the amazing thing about him is he played baseball in a time when he was the only black man on the field pitching. And he was criticized. And they would yell racial slurs from the stands at him. And one of the stories about him said that one of the teams in attempt to humiliate him lined up four of their best batters. And so, you know, normally you would have three mediocre batters, and then you'd have a best one to knock them in, and then you'd have another three okay batters. But they took their four best batters and lined them up to humiliate him. 
And so before Paige began to start pitching, he told his outfielders to go into the dugout. And he said to the men around the bases that were, sitting, that were standing on first, second, and third, he told them to sit down on the bases. And then he went on to pitch against the four professional baseball players, and he struck every one of them out. Many times he played two games a day, and he had, he had some famous pitches. One of them was called the b-ball, another called the bat dodger, another one they called the long tom, but his most famous pitch was one called the hesitation pitch. And it's the most awkward, weird-looking stance, and he would freeze in that position, and, and when he would it, would, it would throw the batter's timing off. And, it, that's, and that's how he struck out so many people. He pitched three innings when he was 60 years old for Kansas City. <laughs> and he had some famous quotes. One of them he got from Mark Twain, which was, age is a question of mind over matter, and if you don't mind, then it doesn't matter. Another one was after he was attacked and racially slurred by people screaming from the stands at him. They said how, they were interviewing him after the game, and they said, how do you feel about that? And he said, you got to love like you've never been hurt. <laughs> got to love like you've never been hurt. And sooner or later, everyone under the sound of my voice is going to suffer some kind of hurt. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be let down. You're going to be talked about. You're going to have a conflict with somebody, and that somebody is probably someone that you love. You're going to be stabbed in the back. And while I said that, for some of you, a face has already come to your mind. You can think of someone right now that has done this to you. Mark Twain said, if you find a dog on the side of the road that hurts, that's starving, that's dirty, that's dying, and you feed that dog, take it home, and groom it and nurture it back to health, and that dog will never bite you. And then he went on to say, therein lies the major difference between a human being and a dog. Because many times, the people that you, you've loved the most will hurt you the deepest. And Jesus had a famous quote when he said in Luke 17, 1, offense must come. It's going to happen. You're going to be offended and you're going to get in a conflict with somebody that you love and that you have loved greatly. Anybody can get along with somebody as long as there's no conflict, as long as you have the same viewpoint, the same theology, the same lifestyle, everything's good. But what do you do when you get in a conflict and you do not agree? You've got to love like Jesus loves because love never fails. The truth is some people wake up every morning and, and the first thing that they do is they brush their teeth and then they sharpen their tongue so that they can attack you. Somewhere you're going to get hurt. Isn't this an encouraging sermon this morning? <laughs> Somewhere you're going to be offended. Somewhere you're going to be deeply wounded maybe even with the people that you're working with right now. Somebody's going to betray you, but you have got to rise up and love like Jesus loves. 
Amen. You know, I thought about Joseph. I, I love that pi- picture when he's standing and his brothers are brought to him. And he's got the keys to all the food in the land and all the corn in the world. And he has the keys to the barn and everybody's starving. And his brothers come and throw him, who, who, who are the ones who threw him in a pit when he was younger. And then the baker is there and, and, and the people who forgot him. And Potiphar's wife who falsely accused him. And in that moment, when he had the power, he had to make a choice. I can get back at them. I can use the weight of the authority and position that I have and I can get my revenge on them right now. How many know your flesh is totally telling him that? But Joseph, he made a decision. I'm going to love these people who have done me so wrong. I'm going to love them like I've never been hurt. And he saved his family and he saved the world when he chose to love like Jesus loves. Amen? Amen. I think of Moses. Moses wanted to get, uh, set God's people free, but he failed, and he failed miserably, and he ends up 40 years in the, de- in, in the desert, four decades to think about how he was treated. And then God comes to him in a burning bush and says, go back to those same people and set them free. And Moses is saying, I pet that dog and it bit me. I don't want to go back there, but God said, go back and love them like I love you. And he went back and he set the people free. You know, there's something that happens when we understand that God has called us to love like we've never been hurt because God knows that love never fails. Amen? David had a father who didn't believe in him. He had brothers who made fun of him and belittled him. And he had a wife who put him down and mocked his, his worship. And he had a son named Absalom who broke his heart. He had a father-in-law who tried to kill him. And you thought your family was messed up. <laughs> you thought your kids were crazy. I'm saying to you that you have to make up your mind in life. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be angry. I don't care what you do to me. I'm going to love like Jesus loves. Amen? And sometimes you even have to love God like you've never been hurt. It's one thing when you've got a prodigal son or or daughter that hurts your spirit and hurts you by their behavior. But what do you do when you feel God has left you? When God's not acting like you think he's supposed to act? When you unexpectedly lose a family member and all you can do is ask God why? When you believe in your marriage and it ended in a divorce, or, or I don't know why the car wreck happened, we just can, cannot understand, and you're asking God why. What do you do in those moments? And I would tell you to do what Job did. You give the questions to God, and you say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Even when I don't understand you, God, I'm going to love you. Amen. When we do that, that's when we begin to grow as Christians. You have to remember, Job had lost 10 children in one day. He had a wife who said to kill yourself. He had four friends who sat in a circle around him for seven days and did nothing but level accusations and called him a hypocrite. 
called him a liar and told him the judgment of God is why he was sick and why he had lost everything that he owned. And in that moment, Job could have become bitter, but Job had made a decision. The Bible said he prayed for those friends and suddenly when he said, I'm going to love like I've never been hurt. And it was only after that God said, I'm going to give you double for your trouble and I'm going to restore your life. If you let me fight your battles and, and don't go with the natural instinct to want revenge on somebody who's done something wrong against you, God will fight your battles and he'll bless you double when you love like Jesus loves. Amen? Jesus was afflicted. He was beaten. He was wounded, which is an external hurt. And he was bruised, which is an internal hurt. And he lifts his voice, and he didn't wait until they asked for forgiveness. But he made a decision. Because forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice. It's an action. Forgiveness can rewrite your future. And the Christian walk is nothing but a journey in forgiveness. And so Jesus, hanging on the cross, looked down and said, Father, forgive them. These nails, these stripes, this pain in my body, I'm going to love those same people who did it to me like I've never been hurt because I know that love never fails. Amen. I guess what I'm trying to say this morning is so many Christians in homes and in families are in a mess and we just don't know how to love one another. The body of Christ is full of parents who are not even close to their own children. I've heard things from friends and, and that that they haven't spoke to their father in a, in a year. They just didn't get along. I've, they said, I haven't seen my grandchild that was born six months ago. We just had a conflict and we don't talk anymore. I personally have, have, have not seen my extended family since I was like 10 years old. I don't even know who they are because our families let a conflict get in between them when I was just a young boy and I didn't even know what was happening. In today's world, brothers are taking brothers to court and people are suing one another for everything. And we say we're Christians, but sometimes Christians' parents say, but my kids have chosen to live a life of sin and so I've cut them off. And I'm here to tell you this morning that nothing could be further from what God has called us to do. It's the saddest thing that we don't know how to keep our families together anymore. There are families that have family members who live across town and, and they never even make a phone call because there's been a conflict in the family. We'll let our own blood in the same area where we live. We'll drive past their house sometimes. And it's because we think that somehow when we have a conflict that we can just write those people off. But Paul said that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Romans 5 verse, verses 8 through 10 says, But God commandeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more, 
than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to, be, to, to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. God who is rich in mercy, one who knows the truth about you, took the first step and every other step to reconcile you back. And now he says, I want you to reconcile with your own children and your own blood. Us parents don't always do right and sometimes we do wrong things or say the wrong things. But we have to remember our words can be like nitroglycerin. You know the medication that you take if you're experiencing chest pain, nitroglycerin is an oily, explosive, poisonous liquid that is used chiefly in making dynamite. But it's also used in a medicine as a vasodilator to dilate your blood vessels so that blood can flow, can flow to your heart and that will, re- it will relieve the chest pain. Now, I said that your words can be like nitroglycerin because you can either use your words to blow up bridges or you can use them to heal broken hearts. The words that you speak can blow your house up or it can heal broken hearts. It's all in the power of the tongue. And sometimes we look at our kids who have failed and, and, and say, well, I just don't agree with their lifestyle and I'm, I'm done and that's it. And we put them in a box and we write them off. But love says, I may not approve of what you're doing, but you are mine and as long as I am alive, I will love you. And that is what Satan doesn't want to get out right here because this is real life. When you look at that loved one and you say, I may not agree with your lifestyle, I may not agree with some of your life choices, but I love you. I may not approve of what you are doing, but as long as you live, you're mine and I love you. I may not approve of something that you have done, but nothing is going to stop me from calling you and talking to you. Amen. You can put me out of your life. I don't care what kind of lifestyle you get in. I'm going to love you because the Bible says love will never fail. It may take a month and it may take a week, but it, it, it may take a year even or a lifetime. It may even take a funeral. But if you will keep loving that family member, loving people who have hurt you, love will never fail. That is God's covenant promise from heaven to you and to your family. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you give God praise if you believe love is the answer and love wins every time. Amen. We kick people out of our lives and and we say, I'm finished and, and we're done, but God's never done. He's never done that to you. His love never fails. His love is kind and patient and long-suffering. And we all have different personal standards. We all have different feelings of what is right and what is wrong. But we are never told by God to reject people on our personal standards and convictions. Amen? A sinner will sin, but we need to keep loving people no matter what they do. 
Paul looked at the Corinthian church and they had, they had all the power and they had the gifts of the spirit and they had miracles and they had amazing church services. But then he saw that they were not getting along with one another and he said, you bite and devour one another. He was saying to the Corinthian church, you're not getting along and he rebuked them for families fighting one another, for brothers in the same church that aren't even speaking to one another. We're not here to uphold God's standard on others who we're here to tell people that God loves you. And when you love God, you'll have standards and convictions, but that should not be used as a mean of cutting people off. Should not cut people off from the love of God. Before we shout, before we speak in tongues, before we feed the poor and do amazing humanitarian things, our families need to know that we love them. And he said, before all of that other stuff is sounding brass and clanging cymbals, if they don't know that you love them. Christians are not supposed to be mean people. We're not supposed to be mean people to gays. We're not supposed to be mean people to transsexuals. We're not supposed to be mean people to people who are divorced. We're not supposed to be mean people to drug addicts and alcoholics and people who have fallen. They don't need you to kick them. They already know that they messed up, but they need people to love them until God can fix their brokenness. Amen. We need to love Jesus like he loves us. Amen. People are going through hell in their homes and they need to know that God's word can heal. That there is a way that God can heal. God will never give up on anybody even though they continue breaking his heart and breaking his rules. He will never give up on us. He'll never give up on you. Even though you keep breaking his heart and his rules, we can celebrate that kind of love. That he loves us like he's never been hurt. Amen. But then he says, turn around and reconcile your relationships with people who have hurt you. The Bible calls love, gentleness, peace, kindness, long-suffering, joy. He calls them the fruits of the Spirit. And the only way that you know if a piece of fruit is good is you take a bite out of it. And you can come to church and you can look real pretty and, and holy, but we, we don't know what, you're, what you've got until someone takes a bite out of you. And it's either going to be sour or it's going to be sweet. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. It's, it's never wrong to love. It's never out of order to love. You are never compromising when you love. You are not lowering your standards when you love because love never fails. The Bible said that Peter asked God, how many times do you forgive? Peter, you got to love him. <laughs> He's an interesting fella. <laughs> He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I think he's one of the few disciples that we know for sure who was married because Jesus healed his mother-in-law of a fever. And he asked Jesus, he said, how many times do I need to forgive someone? How many times do I need to forgive my wife? <laughs> you see, he wanted a mathematical formula for forgiveness. 
How many times do I have to forgive? And the Pharisees taught three times. So he said that I'll double it and I'll add one. Maybe because he had already given, forgiven his wife six times. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe because he wanted to be super spiritual. He had to be more spiritual than the Pharisees. He was a disciple. And so he asked Jesus, and Jesus replied seven, or he asked Jesus seven times, and, and I can just see Jesus. He just turns at him, <laughs> and he says, not seven times, but seven times 70. And he was like, what? How much is that? You know, they didn't have calculators back in the Bible days. <laughs> but don't worry, I got one, and I did the math. And that's 490 times. Have you ever forgiven someone 490 times? And maybe he was saying 490 times in a day. It doesn't say, but that would come to about every three minutes, you'd have to forgive that same person. And that includes the time that we're sleeping. <laughs> so what's my point? My point is forgiveness is not about keeping score. Forgiveness is about losing count. Amen? And sometimes it takes the worst things done to you to bring, to bring out the best in you. Some of the things that we face, some of the hurts and the pains that we have gone through in our life is what has shaped us and formed us. God will use those hurts and use those pains to make us who we are today. Because sometimes the worst things done to us can bring out the best in us. Amen? You know that TV show, The Family Feud? I always like that. <laughs> the Family Feud was inspired by the fight between two families in the hills of West Virginia, the Hatfields and the McCoys. And when you watch Family Feud, that's their version of, of the Hatfields and McCoys. And some of you have got family feuds going on. You say, well, I'm waiting on them to ask for forgiveness. But I'm telling you, if you'll open up and just start the process of forgiveness, what does that mean? It means reaching out, sending them on a card, do something kind for them. Just try, and, and they may accept it. They may not, but at least you know you did what's right. And you can be at peace with the fact that you are trying. Everybody may not be at peace with you when you are doing the right things, but, but then let God deal with it. You do what you can, and God will take care of the rest. Amen? That's because love never fails. Is this all right this morning? somebody somewhere in this city there's a young girl in the hospital having a baby with her boyfriend and her Christian parents are so upset but here's what would be so powerful what would be wrong instead of drawing a line and saying that's not how you were raised and I'm done with you that would be, that would be wrong with going into that hospital room where the baby was just born and saying, let me show you how to change the diaper. What would be wrong with that? Let me show you how to clean this baby, and let me show you how to feed this baby. 
You don't go in there with a Bible and say, well, first of all, I want to show you what the Bible says about fornication. Because that's not going to reconcile your relationship with them. Sometimes you, you have to walk in there and all you've got is the weapon of silence and love. And you just love them. And you just, you just get involved in the mess. And know that God has a plan for that life. And he's the giver of life. And you get in in that and somehow, some way, love never fails. Somebody may have a gay son or a gay daughter and because you think your God is so deeply offended that you have decided to turn your back on them. It's so wrong that the way that they are living and so you have said, I am done with them. But, be, but what would be wrong with going to that gay son or that gay daughter and putting your arms around them? What they need is a hug. What they need is you to look at them and say, I love you. I may not agree with your lifestyle, but let's quit arguing about it. You know where I stand. You know where the Bible stands, but I love you. I will always love you, and nothing will change that because you are my child. Amen. Somewhere there's a husband or a wife who has been unfaithful to, to, their, to their spouse, and you can legally write them off, and spiritually you have scripture that you can let them go. Or maybe God is not through with that family. He's not through with that marriage. It's not that you, that you forgive and forget because you can never forget something like that. But you can remember it differently. It can become a point of reference that you can look back on three years from now and remember how the family has been healed by the love of, and grace of God. And you remember how far you came. You can love like you've never been hurt if you let God's love touch you and set you free today. Amen. How many, how many of you believe that in our families we need a move of God in this area like never before? Amen. Love never fails. Amen. I'm coming to a close. I've always heard my whole life that there's one sin that cannot be forgiven, and that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But actually, that's not true. There's actually two sins. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is the unforgivable sin. But there's another one. He said, if you don't forgive those who have done you wrong, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Amen? And I want to pray for you and your family in this season. I'm here today with a message of reconciliation. And my prayer for you and your family is that God would bring, would, would, would begin today to, to restart your heart, that you would enter into the ministry of reconciliation, that you would take the first step and do everything you can to be reconciled. And I know that there are some situations that seem hopeless and some things that have happened that are so bad and so awful, but you can and you must forgive them. You have to separate the person from the action. Sometimes you can put the action in a category and say, okay, that was wrong. I'm not saying by forgiving them that they are, were okay and that they were right in their action in doing so. But you have to separate the person from the action and forgive them 
because God has called us to love like he does. The dad that wasn't there, the dad that walked out on you, you have to separate him from the awful actions and forgive him. When you do that, it will set you free. It will heal you and you'll be in the ministry of reconciliation. Amen? Just stand to your feet this morning. I want every person under the sound of my voice that would say, I need a miracle of reconciliation in my family. It may be your marriage. It may be your home. It may be with your children. It may be with your parents. It may be with someone that you love dearly. And there's been an offense and hurt that has happened. But if you want to see a miracle in your family, I'm going to ask every person that needs it. I'm, I'm telling you, God's grace is sufficient. Do not hurt alone if your marriage is in trouble. Can you get open and honest enough to say that we need help, that we're dying? If you're going through a crisis and something's ripping your family to pieces, can we dare step out on a word from God and say, I received that word. It is from heaven for me. And I can't be responsible for the other parties, but I'm going to love like Jesus loves. If that's you and you know it's you, I'm going to ask, maybe it's a husband and wife. Maybe it's your, yourself. Maybe even while I preach, you've seen a face of somebody that keeps coming up. And you know that you have truly not released forgiveness to that person. Today is your day. So I want you to get out of your seat wherever you are. Come down to the front. And we're going to take a moment and do this. I'm, I'm going to pray with you that God would bring the family. You could bring your families. Bring the hurts. Bring the wounds. Bring it all. Bring the mess. Bring the confusion. Bring it and let's be cleansed of every wound today. Let's let God do a mighty work. Come on, God wants to move in this place this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. How many of you know that your family is built on the rock of Jesus Christ? That you wouldn't be here today if that wasn't the case. Would you raise your hands and declare that I'm not going to let anger win. I'm not going to let the offense win. It's a trap. I'm not going to let the hurt win. I'm not going to let the betrayal win. His grace is greater. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you would touch these marriages, touch these relationships. I pray that you would heal these wounds. You were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. Oh God, let the love win. Let love be released. Let the ministry of reconciliation come upon us all. God, forgive us. God, heal us. Make us whole, make us one. Make us like you, Jesus. God, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Jesus, I pray that you would heal our broken hearts, heal our tongues, heal our spirits. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I am open. I'm open to what you want to do. God, help me to love like you love. 
God, help us heal. Help me forgive. Jesus, thank you today for your presence, for the healing power of your spirit. God, we pray for those who have wronged us. Knowing, God, that our prayers may not change them, but our prayers will always change us. God, as far as it depends on us, lead us and empower us by your spirits to do what's right. We ask God for healing in marriages, for healings in families, for siblings, for friendships, for people in the body of Christ. Bring restoration, I pray, Lord God. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. God so loved the world that he, he, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. God gave his life for us. And the pain that you feel is the pain that God can heal. And God wants you to know and to be confident that he is going to heal the broken places in your life and in your family. Somehow, some way, love will win because love never fails. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love, Lord God. I pray that you would wrap us in your arms, Lord Jesus, that you would bring comfort to every heart in this place, Lord God. Lord God, I pray that you would reconcile marriages, that you would reconcile relationships in the house of God this morning, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I pray that your will would be done, Lord God, that you would do what only you can do, Lord Jesus. Even when the situation seems hopeless, even when it seems helpless, Lord God, help us to trust in you and know, Lord God, that love will never fail. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your love surrounds me. Your love is Stay.